0: Yeah, an old recording engineer told me, it's like, tell the drummers to hit soft on on, on the metal and hard on the skin.
1: Welcome to the Production Masters Podcast. The philosophies and techniques behind making music according to the Masters of Music Production. everyone, welcome back to the Production Masters podcast. My name's Owen Gillette from productionmasters.net and icecocoon.com.au. Today is my interview with none other than the heavy metal legend, Frederick Nordstrom. Frederick was instrumental with creating the Gothenburg sound in the early 90s going right through to the 2000s and beyond. Recorded such bands as Jimmy Borgia, the a lot of the early Opeth stuff, as well as so many other bands, just so, so many. He gave up a good amount of time to talk about all the different questions regarding production that I had and shared some stories about different recording experiences with some of those bands. I thought it was a very fruitful interview, and I hope you all enjoyed as much as I did conducting it. One last thing before we get started. Just a reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast at Stitcher Radio and also at iTunes if you go to podcasts there. And again, I'd love it if you'd leave me a review there as well. So, with no further ado, here is my interview with Frederick Nordstrom. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another Production Masters podcast. This is Owen Gillette from Ice Cocoon and ProductionMasters.net. And today we have a, what you might say, heavy metal royalty on the line. Um, Mr. Frederick Nordstrom, how are you today? I'm fine. Awesome. So I'm fine. That's awesome. So let's start. Um, obviously, everyone probably knows you from the fact that you've uh, you're attached to the the Gothenburg metal sound, and you've recorded all the really big bands from uh, Europe and that came up in that metal scene, like all the the Opeths and Soilwork and all that. But um, Let's go back a bit further and I'm actually interested in knowing a little bit about your background where you came from before that's the guy that you became and uh, and how that eventually or when opening your own studio came into the picture so let's start with that if you want to tell us a bit about yourself
0: yeah. yes of course I'm actually was like when when I became six years old I saw Jimi Hendrix on television this is something I'm going to do. I'm going to play guitar. So <clears throat> I started learning to play guitar when I was nine, t- 10, but I was left-handed. So I had the guitar oh, as Jim Hendrix <laughs> on the wrong, wrong side. So it took me two years because my guitar teachers forced me to play in right way. So it took me two years to learn three chords. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> because I was flipping the guitar over to the other side all the time. Uh, So that's why it took me two years to learn three chords. Uh, So it didn't look good, but uh, yeah. Then I was used to playing with so many bands all over the place. My goal was actually to be a musician.
2: Yeah.
0: Most of the producer guys' goals. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, then I came in contact with all this recording gear. Back in those days, it was four-track recorders on the cassette tapes. Sure. And I really fell in love with gears and all that that shit. And uh, so I started building up uh, like a small recording studio in my home. I played with several bands. And then we went to a recording studio and recorded like a real recording studio and recorded our first demo. Yeah. Uh, And uh, I really liked that place. So I actually, after my military service, I asked the guy if he wanted a companionship. So I went into that guy. We used to stick together for a year or something. And uh, then it all started. But I was mainly into pop music, actually. I'm, and I am still are. I'm a big fan of ABBA. Yeah, me too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally.
0: I, yeah, it's like they are so... There's so much music in their music. It's... Uh, it's insane. Still today, if I hear stuff with ABBA, I can be so blown away and just listen. And it's like, wow, what arrangement. What a bass playing. It's everything's super well performed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And does that, does does your um, enjoyment of pop music extend to rock set? To rock set? Mm. Do you like them?
0: Yeah. I like, I'm, I'm like... Separate music in two parts, not in genres. It's like good music or bad music. Yeah, and then it can be opera or whatever.
1: Yeah, totally. And yep. Yeah. So, right, how does you go from being that guy to the person that opens his own heavy metal studio?
0: Yeah, it's like like I told you. It's like in beginning, I was mainly doing pop music, and then we had like. Uh, we had a rehearsal room that we shared with many other bands, and one of these bands was Ceremonial Oath from back in the days. Yeah. With Oskar Droniak from Hammerfall, Anders Evers, now playing Tiamat. Yeah. And we have Jes- Jesper Strumblad from In Flames. Uh huh. And they told us on a meeting that they get a record deal with the band. and. I convinced them to come to my studio to record that because I had I had never recorded an album before, so that was like a big thing for me.
2: And, so, and is to this... be honest,
0: I didn't realize what's going on in the <laughs> during that recording because I was absolutely not into that kind of music style. I was just like sitting and watching fingers moving around.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, you know, they had friends, and that's how it was going. Actually you know, they talked to some other band and yeah, I said that's like that studio was good. And the guys was nice and everything. So I get more bands coming to my studio. And suddenly, I had a at the Gates Slaughter of the Soul album on my neck. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, and those guys said to me, it's like, we're not going to record with you. If you if you don't buy a 24 track recorder back in the days, everything was analog and I had a sixteen-track recorder, so I went to the bank and borrowed a shitload of money, For and upgraded my studio
1: to to, to, a, to a two-inch inch tape ta- machine. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and recorded the "Slaughter of the Soul." And I was like in the middle of a divorce during that period, so <laughs> Shit. my only my only escape was actually to like dig myself down in the studio, which yeah. I've done. That's The reason of the divorce was because I was working 14 to 16 hours every day. for seven days a week. So I was never home. Right. Yeah. So, and then I used to went, I went total nuts with that album. I think in like sound wise, how it should sound. And uh, that album spread so well worldwide. So suddenly I get phone calls from England and like around the world.
1: Yeah, and this was so, what this yeah. was like very early nineties. Yeah,
0: ninety-four. Yeah. Ninety five.
1: And so when you and when you were working on that album, did you have a did you were you sort of flying by the seat of your pants in terms of what you thought it should sound like as the end product, or did you have a clear vision of what you knew it was going to sound like before you started?
0: The direction from the band was they want to sound like a machine. They want to be like super tight.
2: Yeah.
0: And as you didn't have any like Pro Tools or anything back then, you have to play, perform it well. So we spent a week on drums, two days only for checking the sound of the drums because drum triggering was uh, not so well developed back then. So, yeah, it has to be you need to have a good drum sound. And we had mm-hmm. actually, I've been taking up the track recently and listened to the like raw files, and it's well tracked actually. And yeah, I know we spent two weeks on, like, recording guitars, and there are also two days of sound checking the guitars. So p- p- and we tried out yeah. all my configurations we could find out.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: and yeah.
1: So did you did you experiment with different string gauges for the guitars? Did you go that far or? No,
0: no, 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 no.
1: Yeah, this was this was something I one of the first things I actually had on my list of questions for you was to talk about that um, the process back then was much more, there was much more, obviously, there had to be more of an emphasis on the band being able to play when you're recording to tape. You had to work a lot harder, I guess, to get that kind of a result. Like as in the band, the band themselves, I mean, the performance.
0: Yes. And yeah. It's absolutely. And uh, also it's like punching in on drums, for example, was like a very tricky yep. thing to do, especially with fast drums. You have to punch in between like the hits. Yeah. And then you have to rewind when the take was done and see if the if the punching was okay or not. So it was just like everything was way more trickier. Y-
1: yeah. And then I guess if the drummer wasn't playing quite as hard or whatever, it, would, it might sound strange. Or um, all that, all those kind of considerations, I guess. Yeah. Um, Yeah,
0: but it, that's what, like for example, what you can hear today is like when people play blast beats. Yeah. And the snare is on full power. That's impossible to do.
1: Yeah, of course, of course, yeah, annual, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And for me, it sounds unnatural. Yeah. Because, yeah. So, 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 but like when you do everything with drum machines today, then that's you know people don't think about
1: it. <laughs> yeah, so so do you think um do you think where it's gone now that the the expectation is a, is actually unrealistic that of where of what bands are supposed to sound like? Or
0: I I think it's mainly people who who are up to music. It's like but actually I, I'm going to record uh, like next recording I'm doing is like actually a, old band coming back to me because they want to go back right they don't want to have yeah they they don't want to be like 100% tight it's boring they say it's not fun to listen to
2: no, I, they I, want t- to be
0: <clears throat> if we, if we play wrong we play wrong and it's more interesting no, so I, I think
1: totally yeah. to, i i totally agree yeah i um so it, no i i i think i think it's completely tedious to hear <laughs> um where the performance has been completely quantized out of it um, even though that's sort of and I, I think some people have come to expect that that's what you know heavy metal just needs to sound like to be at a certain standard but I don't I don't see that there's any reason that it needs to be that process to the point of it yeah basically becoming a drum machine it doesn't need it doesn't need to be like that I don't think
0: no 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 but it, there is like there's productions it's like, I think uh, Andy Sneap took it to its limit with one of the uh, Nevermore album because I was like I was listening to it and I was just laughing because it's just like this is just like too tight it's too well performed it's too everything and it was just like I don't remember the name of the album but just like I was sitting laughing because it just yeah. I was like this is insane <laughs> he do great production It's just like, Hmm. I think it's like people maybe are turning back and go a little bit. There is a lot of producers that I call grid hookers. That's just like, make sure that everything is on grid instead of using the ears. Yeah. And that's something I always try to do. And I I did like an uh, Icelandic band recently called Beneath. They played very technical metal. Yeah. And we actually went more or less hundred percent untriggered drums and hundred percent real takes, no fake. Yeah. It was it was a lot of hard work, a lot of patience, but it's turned out to sound really good.
1: Yeah, well yeah. I, that's what I would personally rather listen to. So sometimes sometimes do you have you would you ever use like no added in samples into your drum sound? Would you actually ever just use the, like entirely the acoustic drum sounds?
0: <coughs> Not often. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: It's, yeah. But uh, that's, it, uh, y- using samples enhance the drums so much, I think. Mm-hmm. But I always try to find like a multi-sampled sample so you have like the full dynamic range and everything. Yeah. So it's not yet too sterile. Yeah. And machine gun sounding.
1: Yeah. So it's so, so it's not replacement so much as it is reinforcement.
0: Uh, yeah. More reinforcement. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I find it an art to record a good acoustic drum kit. Yeah, absolutely. everybody can put microphones on a drum kit and make it sounds good. That's including tuning and everything. And of some reason, most drummers don't know how to tune the, the drums. So, so, yeah, I get this question many times and I normally reply, yes, I can help you tune drums. Yeah. Do, do the, and then I follow up with the question, do the guitar player and bass player also need help with tuning the guitars and bass? <laughs> <coughs> but,
1: you'd, you'd hope but not. But they
0: normally can do that.
1: Yeah. So did you, did you, have you ever done like a course or something on drum tuning, or did you, as if you just sort of learnt by just doing it for so long?
0: I read an article in a magazine (laughs) several times about drum tuning, and I'm far away from an expert audience. We have a guy here in Gothenburg that is really good with drum tuning. That we sometimes, where it's time and money, we call him in, and he asks what we want, and he tunes it for us.
2: Sure. Yeah.
0: And he he also works on a, on a on a, not in the store but the general agency or whatever you call it. They sell in Tama and Evans and all that stuff. So he yeah. normally like bring bring the gear he want to have.
1: Yeah, sure. So and um, how important is getting the right combination of symbols when you're putting your drum kit together? Because do you ever sometimes find that one is when you're miking it up, one is too harsh, or one is just sort of overwhelming the rest. Do you, do you have to spend a bit of time balancing where the symbols all are and which symbols you're using.
0: Yes, I think that's happened all the time. Yeah, <laughs> there was all there was always a very loud hi hat and a very low china.
1: Yeah, I oh, know hi hats and chinas, <laughs> the um <laughs> the, the nemesis of um, like
0: ride symbol can be like. <laughs> Normally, I don't record a hi hats microphone
1: yeah for sure
0: uh it's more in that case a ride one but sometimes you have to do it because you have to ask the drummer. are you playing with closed hi-hats yes i do okay then we have to put the mic on there also but normally it's like the loudest instrument in the drum kit is the hi-hat
1: yeah do do you have any other secrets or tricks about um sort of managing the hi-hat not overwhelming everything or no just choosing the (laughs) choosing the right hats or i mean not having a
0: yeah,
1: just trying some yeah, different ones.
0: Like an old, yeah, an old recording engineer told me it's like, tell the drummers to hit soft on the on, on the metal, and hard on the skin.
1: Yay! Yeah, that sounds like awesome advice. So, <laughs> um, do you have uh, do you have any after all the experience you've had? Do you have any favorite, um, mics for overheads?
0: Uh, I I use the Neumann, what the fuck is the name of them? The pen microphone.
1: Uh, oh, uh KM84s? Yes,
0: yes. Yeah? Uh, and I also use uh, Shure microphones, TSM-141.
1: Okay, is that a large diaphragm mic?
0: No, no, it's a small, small one.
1: Yeah, right, okay. So is your philosophy... Yeah. Is, is your philosophy with the overheads to, to capture more of the texture or, the, or more of the symbols more than like the overall kit picture? or?
0: Yes, absolutely. If you can el- eliminate <laughs> the skin from the overheads, that should be nice. Sure. But yep. it's, yeah. Um, because when it's coming to heavy metal music, everybody wants to be loudest on every instrument. Um, yep. And it's like lot of leaking from mics and stuff is not
2: it's yeah. not
0: wanted so much even if it's nice for a good overall sound but yeah it's not come useful it's like ambience microphones it's mainly not used in my productions when it's coming to fast music it's just making mess of the drums
1: right so do you, if you was, do you
0: album sorry
1: so oh, so do you do you uh, room mics important for do you usually record room mic so then room mic's part of your sound
0: no not for fast drumming not uh, not even all. a little bit no
1: okay so in, but is if, yeah. if
0: i do like bands like hammerfall like when it's coming to like normal rock music then ambience is absolutely good yeah but sure. when it's coming to dimi Borgir, no it's no good
1: yeah yeah because it's going to yeah that with the speed everything will just turn to mush pretty quickly yes yeah um so um so with guitars and amps um is there anything in particular since you i i know that you you've said you feel like you got try to still go for a different sound with each band but i i think there's sort of there's a bit of a signature guitar tone that i can sort of hear across a lot of your productions i can sort of hear it in there oh i think i can anyway so is there is there something is there something in particular about your guitar sound that you um like do you focus on getting the sound on the amp first or more on your 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 mic choice or mic positioning or um is there any secrets that Uh, you have
0: no but i I can tell you this we did in, in flames uh clayman album and we used uh, an Engel 120 Savage yep. we used uh, um, 5150 the PV amp, we used a uh, Marshall Valve State and then we used an, uh, Laney, I don't know the name of it Yeah. but I was separately tweaking these amps of what I find sounds good yeah. and then when we compared it, it was pretty similar all of the sounds, they have like small different characters. Yes. So we choose two amps for the fast songs and two amps for the slow songs.
2: That's interesting
0: because they, yeah, so it could be, but we had the same cabinet and we had the same micing. So it was, I was surprised that the valve state was like so close to like (laughs) the angle, for example.
1: Yeah right. So yeah. so does this when you're? Uh, do you have a? Is it? Do you have favorite mics that you seem to continue using on your cabinets?
0: Yeah, the fifty sevens. They like what they call the Friedman technique. Uh, that's that works always.
1: Oh I, yeah, like, times like in a, I've seen that. Like it's all mics a, I have. It's like a V. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I remember I know,
0: now. Yeah, I know Wilkinson Audio doing a clip for that trick, but the angle is wrong because I get my hands on it.
1: <laughs> what, what? What? Sorry, what was I missed that? What was that? Sorry.
0: There's a company called Wilk, Wilkinson Audio. Yeah. They do. They're doing a Friedman technique, uh, mic clip.
1: Yeah. On YouTube yeah. or something. Oh, no, a clip. Yeah. Oh, like as in a, <laughs> yeah. a mic clip. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Right, but it's, it's not a the right. But it's not the right angle. No,
0: no, it's not the right angle. Oh,
1: far out, man.
0: Um, I tried it out.
1: <laughs> all right. So, um, so, and do you, when you're getting your guitar sound, do you do, do you do much processing in terms of running it through any outboard or anything when you're pulling your guitar sounds?
0: No, no, no. I'm always try to be very simple. Now these days, I was, I was leading the war who get the most gear when dice win, but I'm getting bored of that. So I'm very minimalistic now, Sure, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And, but uh, yeah, of course, but that's what I tell you. It's like, I, from time to time, I'm breaking up what I'm doing and try new stuff and see if I get it better. Yeah. And if not, (laughs) I'll go back to what I use.
2: (laughs) Yeah sure
0: yeah you always have to, you cannot be, like be it's the same like with drum sample you use it's like oh uh, this one i haven't used and this one i haven't used it's like trying new stuff all the time even if it's of some reason ending up to be pretty similar to what you did before but it's always trying to push the limits try new stuff yeah and so on
1: for sure um, and so- also
0: with drum triggering, is what I'm doing is like if I find a trigger that I think match with acoustic sound, I always tune the trigger so it's match with the tuning of the acoustic, so, uh, acoustic one.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so when you when you're using the triggered sounds and they're reinforcing, is that is that um, to reinforce, it or is it to sort of add more attack, or is it to add more body?
0: Yes. <clears throat> Everything. It's usually like more body, more attack, Mm
2: -hmm. and so on. Sure.
0: Uh, Actually, I I, the previous, not the latest one, but the previous Hammerfall album, I did. um, I get a message from the drummer, and he said everything sounds really good except that song, and he said the trigger is tuned twenty two percent on Tom two is tuned twenty two percent higher. And on Tom 3, the trigger is tuned 33% higher. And I'm replied, no, I checked it on on the first song I did. <clears throat> and it's perfectly in tune. No, Yeah, it is, but not on that song. And I opened that song. And then that was the last song recorded. And Tom 2 and 3 had been down tuned, 22 cent and 33 cent. And that fucking guy heard it.
1: Wow, that's that's crazy. That's pretty good hearing for a drummer.
0: <laughs> yeah, but his father was one of the most genius jazz musicians ever, and he is a fucking good musician.
1: Wow, that's that's pretty impressive. So, th- I yeah, guess, I guess that's
0: the, that's what I call like perfect hearing. Or
1: I guess the moral of that story is you can't just slap things together. You're like there is a, it like has, the details do make all that up to a difference in the end.
0: In the end, yeah, but it's. It's like, don't, it's also, it's like, you can spend five days on work of something to do it perfect. Yeah. And maybe one guy hear a difference. And if nobody hear what you did before that, there is nobody going to hear the difference.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It might be one of those things. And if, if no one pointed it out, you'd never hear it. And then, uh, if someone pointed it out, you might not be able to ever unhear it or something. I don't know. So, yeah. So, yeah, but um, I,
0: I, this is so easy to like dive in and dig in and keep on working, working, working. And then the song is not good, so it doesn't matter.
1: Sure, because I suppose you've if you, I guess it's like you've got to keep some of the energy in the the essence of it there instead of polishing it all away i suppose i mean
0: yeah but listen to uh, slayer rain in blood it's, just, it's just like so untight bad sound cool songs and a lot of aggression in recording
1: just capturing just capturing the intensity of the performance
0: yes so totally. uh, then it doesn't matter if you have a good sound or not
1: <laughs> yeah well i mean that's probably a whole nother like Avenue of discussion about, um, you know, it. It almost seems to be the way music has gone now. Like the the sound might be slick, but like, is the music that fantastic half the time? I'm not completely sure about that. So, um, yeah,
0: but yeah, but that's um, that's the thing. Is like when you're working with music, it's like you, like if you're working with the band, and that's happened from time to time that you run into something that you. Maybe oh I shouldn't have done this, but of course you have to do your job well. And not like that's what I have tried to do my whole life. I'm I have never released anything that I've been hundred ha- percent happy with. That's for sure. Yeah, there is always something you can do better. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, yeah. but <clears throat> you learn something every every time, and it's just like. Always try to do your best when you do stuff.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, some good wisdom for everybody out there. So, if you are if you are going to work with a band from scratch to do a whole production, at what stage do you usually become involved with? If you're going to do pre-production with them, how much do you get involved with their the songwriting or their, their early demos or in that sort of thing.
0: Oh, that's depending so much on it's like, if you take a band like the haunted yep. or yeah, those guys, they are like, normally they don't, when I did the pre- first album with them, they, they, they don't want any like interference or what you call it indie music. They're like, we want this, we want you to help us to make a good sound yep. for our songs. And if you say something about the songs, they used to reply, it's going to be like this, how we did it. Yep. No discussion. Yeah, yeah. But sure. some bands, <clears throat> yeah, and some bands, it's like, you can come with suggestion and they, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's like, work, work this out together. And so it's very depending on, it's like, uh, we did a Australian band. <laughs> We've done many Australian band here. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Buried in Verona. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, there we had a lot of, like, cooking going on, as I call it, like, music-wise. We did, like, a lot of music together here in the studio. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's depending on project to project, I should say. So if people want help, I help them. And if they don't want help, (laughs) I, I don't want to help them. But... It's important, like, to try to make the band sounds like that band, yeah, and don't try to make them sound like another band.
1: So I'm kind, I'm kind of a little bit curious now. I'm going back to the days of recording the early Opeth albums. How much input did you have into the to their process of the songs? Because I I believe that some of their stuff they brought in, they weren't really even completely organized or prepared and they sort of no
0: but that, that's uh, yeah uh, to be honest uh, to say i uh, very little because mm-hmm. michael he asked me sometimes what do you think should we play this with six times or eight times mm-hmm. i replied i think it's enough with four times and he was like <laughs> no that's not gonna happen <coughs> that's that's not gonna happen then we played eight times yeah <laughs> yeah so and they were like yeah, I know they're creating a lot of music in the studio, but they were pretty hippie back then. They were like in the middle of a recording, they could be like, ah, uh, fact this, let's go down to ta- go downtown and buy some vinyl albums, and they disappeared for four hours, and uh, they were sitting. Uh, it could be like the whole night recording stuff by themselves. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Well, I yeah. Well. And so your role was largely about getting them a good sound and um, being there to facilitate their creative output, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's depending, depending on, it's like, I like I said, if people want help with the songs or if I directly notice on a song that this is fucked. Yeah. Then I bring it up to discussion, and then let's see what's happened. Because some bands are like, "No, this is perfect as it is." Then it's no point of forcing them to change, change something that they didn't want to change. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah.
1: So that's, I guess, that's more of like a creative ar- arrangement thing. But do, you, in terms of performance, is there a is there a way that you work with bands to? Work out if it's even if they're even ready to record, so to speak, or like that. Have, do you have to sort of sometimes su- listen to what they've got and suggest that they need to hit the rehearsal room hard for three months or like in a pre production stage?
0: Yeah, I have done that a couple of times, but it's <clears throat> well, I've like been discussing with bands and realized this is just too crap.
2: Mm. Uh,
0: I don't want to work there. and you tell them straight out, guys you're not ready for recording album and then they never hang up the phone if you get my point or email or whatever and they ask me what should i do right and what should i do here and what should i do and yeah i really don't have time time for that to explain for them how to write good songs and so on it's
1: yeah so yeah yeah no totally
0: so i I try to sneak away if that's happened
1: (laughs) yeah enough no fair call. So um, let's talk a little about mixing. Um, when you're mixing, uh, I know that you've started doing your own mastering at your studio as well. But um, yes, when you're doing a mix, though, do do you have a, do you have anything on any processing on the master bus or? Um, yeah, uh, let's start with that question.
0: Yeah, I did before. Now I'm, um, uh, it's, it's also a little bit depending on sometimes you have done a mix and you think it's good, but it's missing something. Then I'm starting to put stuff on the mastering bus mm-hmm. to see if I can enhance it. But back uh, when I started mi- to mix totally Anna, uh, digital, I find out that there was something missing,
2: yeah.
0: And then I started using, uh, from TC Electronics. Uh, a master multiband compressor called MD three.
2: Yeah, sure.
0: But, uh, yeah, but they but that's not uh, available anymore for some reason.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: And yeah, also because before when we send stuff to mastering, uh, it's like I hate to get back back a mastering where like the mastering guy has tried to be creative and make his sound and he fuck up whole your mix. So I was doing that on purpose, actually did a f- more or less complete mastering on the mix and deliver it to the mastering studio. And sure. they were like, oh, we cannot do anything with this. This is too loud and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And uh, then I just replied, then we have to go somewhere else.
1: Yeah, I was I was actually going to ask you if, um, if you'd ever been disappointed when you got a master back um, relative to when you've sent your mix off and when you'd heard oh, the master yeah. you were oh, yeah. horrified yeah. Yeah. or whatever. So
0: many times. So yeah. many times.
1: What what's what's your main yeah. what was your main sort of complaint with it when you heard it back? What was wrong with it?
0: Yeah, <clears throat> it has been like many labels want so much treble and they want want it so fucking loud. Yeah. So they used smashed the whole mix to make it loud and trebly as fuck. And you asked the mastering guy, why did you do that? Yeah, because the label wants it like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And now they probably want it yeah, with no. more bottom end.
0: <laughs> yeah, they want more. Everybody, yeah, but that's what heavy metal is about. Who can play loudest? Who can play fastest? So, and so on.
1: Um, I had something mastered by Goran Finberg a while ago, and I actually asked him if he thought that... Um, Heavy metal needed to be compressed and really crushed to actually have it sound. And he basically said, I don't think anyone actually gives a rat's ass. Like the listener doesn't really give a rat's ass how loud something is. I don't think they even know the difference, basically. But... Um <laughs> I'm interested in what you think as to whether you think metal actually needs to be crushed to a certain point uh, to have its sound like what do you think about that especially since you're now doing mastering as well so you, you'd be sensitive to like the you know the dynamics versus the fatness thing you know
0: Yeah you need to be the loudness wars have stopped a little bit and now there is a lot of new mastering Versions coming up for iTunes and iCloud and everything. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But when I do mastering, I try to get equal in volume at least that other, other album have. Because if you have a like, if you're listening to your playlist on Spotify and every time a Studio Freeman album comes up, you need to raise the volume. That's not so fun. Yeah. So, that's something uh try to do but so yeah in terms of sometimes a- people won't want it way too loud <laughs> yeah
1: so in terms of an, and just an aesthetic though do you think do you think metal needs a certain amount of crushing or limiting or compressing in the mastering stage to have its sound or or I guess at the end of the mix bus I mean does it need a certain amount of that to have its sound or does do you think it? could do with a lot less and it would still it might even sound better
0: it could sound better with less uh, limiting yes
1: (laughs) yeah and um when did you when did you start doing when did you actually start doing mastering i suppose well actually sort of it sounds like you were sort of doing mastering back when you were mixing but um when did you officially sort of start mastering
0: five years ago maybe I think actually it was, again, uh, uh, Andy Sneap. He's, he's, he master, mastered all his album by himself. Yeah. And that suddenly, because before people was asking, for example, for a mix, and you did the mix, and they asked, where's a good mastering studio? And you you know told them, this guy here, Göran Finberg, or tailor-made or whatever they do mastering Mm -hmm. but suddenly people start asking for mix and mastering yeah so we we were like yeah yeah why don't start do mastering and henke the guy i worked with before he was like he's a he likes mastering. He likes to be. For me, mastering is a little bit, little bit gay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> not in, in not in terms of homosexual. It's more like you. You. Know, it's like if you take the treble one dB up, stuff happens. If you get my point. Yeah, um, and it's just like yeah. Yeah. I'm, and it, it's just small touches. I'm. I'm. I'm more like. Instead of doing a a, a painting, I pr- preferably build a house. If you get my point.
1: Yeah, more sort of broad brush strokes as opposed to, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. But if you if you do one dB on a on, on a snare drum, yeah, it's that's not much happening. Absolutely, it's yeah, little, uh, yeah. So, um, that's I'm not against mastering, but it's just like, uh, it's just like when it's coming to EQs and everything, it's like everything is so sensitive.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I yes. know oh, a, a tiny pinch. Goes a long way. Yeah. Um. So, and so, what are you using for monitoring these days? For that,
0: I still have my uh, Genelec uh, 1030
2: and 1037.
0: Mm-hmm. It'll be my favorite for a long time. I'm actually find out another pair of speakers that would actually giving this Genelec a good match, and that was uh, Neumann.
2: Oh yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, really, really good. But there were, there was not really enough volume in them. I think the small ones,
2: mm. and
0: the big ones are a little bit too big. So I haven't really found. But that's that's actually what I'm gonna upgrade next. It's like to find a better near field monitor. It's not that the Gen Legs are bad, but this Neumann was better.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, and, and you, do you get enough of the really low end extension to be able to judge your bottom end the way you like it with those? Uh,
0: no, not really. But uh, I have this big 1037 and they are like massive speakers. So I can play loud there Yeah. and check the low end. But in the end, people playing through laptop speakers, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is true, and you, yeah, you're not gonna hear anything below five hundred hertz through them. So. <laughs> no. Yeah.
0: Um, oh, no, but uh, but you have to take care of the people who actually listen to music and don't play MP3s and stuff like that, also.
1: Yeah, well, I can I can say I. I listened to there was another Adelaide band and uh, Allegro Adagio I think or some yeah, sort of yeah. name like that. Uh, I and I bought that to have a listen to it, and I thought the I thought the mastering sounded great. Actually, like I thought, yeah, because I I was, was kind of curious, and I knew it was going to be leading up to me talking to you, so I got it to have a listen to it, and I thought, oh, wow, that sounds awesome, man. <laughs> so whatever you're using, I think it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yes pretty much simple stuff a small compressor an EQ and a fab filter limiter which is jolly good so to be that's, 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 that's all, all digital very transparent
1: sorry yeah yeah so and that's all digital is it
0: yeah all digital
1: yeah um, but when you' when you' do you still have an analog board no also when you' when you're tracking or mixing none of it's on a desk anymore. No, I think you did use a desk there, uh, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I have I have mic preamps from uh, Windtech and SSL, yeah, and DigiDesign's Design's own mic preamp, which is very good, actually. Yeah. Everybody's talking crap about that microphone preamplifier from DigiDesign, Design, but.
1: Was oh, that the um the HD pre?
0: Yeah.
1: Right, the like the original HD pre. Like the what? Yeah, the, from Avid. The, the one with yeah. like one knob on it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I, I tried one time. I had a console which everybody told me was really like, yeah, that's a good console. It's not have not many functions, but it's have a very rock and roll sound. Yeah. I recorded a drum kit through that console and then I recorded to the mic pre from Avid. Yeah. And I let the drummer listen and said, which sound do you prefer? And he listened and he said, <clears throat> I prefer the second sound. It's much better. He said, and I said, I agree. And he asked me, "What preamplifier is that? Is that the console, the amic console? No, it's a Avid console. Uh, a mic pre. Yeah,
2: sure.
0: And it's yeah. No, it's that, maybe that's... not sexy in the sound, but it's it's very clear and yeah. transparent.
1: No, that, that's very and interesting. And cheap for the money. And are people? I think people are too quick to make judgments about. No, no, a lot of people were complaining about they didn't like the the converters in the Original HD systems, or they won't use Digi Design converters, they only use XYZ converters. Um, do you have an opinion about converters?
0: No, I know you can get better sound with a good clock for sure. That's oh, yeah. not something that Göran Finberg showed me. But uh, yeah, it's like Clayman album is mainly recorded on ADAT, ADAT machines from Alesis.
1: Oh, wow, okay,
0: yeah, and for some people this is still a very good sounding album yeah uh, yeah well was... the drums is recorded analog
1: alright and the rest of it yeah. to ADAT
0: yeah So we recorded the vocals in the Pro Tools system yeah because we, then we had a, because Pro Tools was not developed good enough back then we had only 16 tracks so we could keep couldn't keep everything in there so yeah so we kept we had vocals in, uh, in Pro Tools I think we had everything that needed some kind of automation we had in Pro Tools Yeah. the rest was on ADAT machines and drums was on analog 24 track It took 10 seconds to synchronize everything every time it played
1: <laughs> and then rewinding as well oh, i suppose as well if you yeah, um, yeah 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 oh, well man um so do you still do you still have your 2 inch tape machine No so no more I don't no more tracking drums to tape no. Okay. I'm
0: super digital here. So you, I have a, yeah, I have a computer, 16 track uh, mic- microphone preamplifiers. Uh, I actually have an analog compressor from Wintech and from Uray. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And I have still I keep my DSR from uh, DBX. So because that's the the best one.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So in in terms of drums though, do you, do you feel like um, there's something you get, like in terms of this t- texture or the sound quality, is there something extra that you used to get from tape that it's harder to get from digital?
0: Oh. <clears throat> I don't know, to be honest, because it's like when you're distorting tape, uh, you're losing all that treble in it. Yeah. And uh, so I didn't find it very nice sounding for metal drums to record on analog too loud. Sure. Uh, and every time you're rewinding and playing this fucking tape, you, you're scratching the tape and you're losing treble and stuff like that. So yep. there was a lot of negative stuff with that. That's why we recorded the drums on Clayman album analog and then we just played it one time through and recorded all the drums to ADAT machines. So we, we left the tape with the drums Yeah, so we didn't scratch them and then we recorded all the guitars and everything on ADAT machines and then finally we recorded vocals and I think it was guitar solos. No, so was and only vocals actually we recorded on Pro Tools. And then we moved over whatever it was. But it's different to mixing digital than analog for sure. It can be like you have a good, if for example, you're mixing in the drum kit and you have a really good snare drum, yeah. and then you releasing the solo bottom from, for the drums and everything starts playing. And then the snare drum is just like pok, pok, pok. and that was not what you mixed. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to over saturate, especially the snare drum. It has to be like Pow! like that to get like a pop in the mix. I don't know what it is, if it's Pro Tools or if it's a clock or whatever. Uh, yeah. But it's it's different, it's different. But I, I, like st- I like to be hands-on with stuff. That's why I have this D-Control uh, surface for Pro Tools. Yeah. Then I can, like, m- mixing with knobs and instead of sitting with the mouse.
1: So you, li- you like mixing with faders? Is it? Y- yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in regard to mixing, um, do you start by structuring a good drum sound?
0: Yep. Yeah as that should be the foundation in the whole metal song. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, always stop with the bass. Uh, I mean, the drums.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and.
0: But it- of course, then when you have guitars and everything on, you always have to go back and uh, tweak yeah. what you did.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, with with bass, as in bass guitar, do you, um, would the... Would the DI be more of the foundation of your sound in the mix or would the the amp sounds be more of the foundation of the bass sound?
0: Uh,
1: or is normally there no rules? It's
0: like, normally it's like the line signal we use because there is the amp sound is normally it's not like muddy. Mm. If you get my point. Yeah, yeah. It's not often that bass player bring gears that have a good sound
1: yeah totally yeah that makes sense but
0: if they have a like a unique good bass sound of course we try to capture that because that's for me very important yeah but mainly it's the line signal
1: sure okay and do you um, do you have like 4000 plugins on your computer when you're mixing or do you have like like a just a some favorites that you seem to always use.
0: Uh, I'm there also. Try to be me minimi, minimalistic. Yeah, we had a bunch of plugins before, but I actually trashed everything and reinstalled everything from scratch. Yeah, and if I'm missing something, I get it. So I have actually a lot of plugins on my iLock account that I never use.
1: And um, do you do you like the? Would you ever use the standard Pro Tools plugins like the like the standard seven band EQ and the stuff like yeah, that?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: For yeah. B- for because even... also I, I use as, as I use the de What's the name of this? The control. It, the big one is the control. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Or the command. I don't. Yeah. There so you have the like the built in EQ, and it's very hands on. It's like you. Use, you have the whole eq in front of your hand and you just like tweak the knobs and you don't even have to watch the screen you just use your ears and tweak until you find it sounds good and yep. that eq3 it's a, it's a it's not sexy but it's very good <laughs> especially yeah. to take away noise uh, like screamy frequency and stuff like that
1: yeah for sure
0: yeah, the Waves SSL uh, EQ is something I use a lot, also. Yep. Even also the U- UAD, UAD is very very good plugins. It's very it's the closest one to the real deal I, I ever find, actually.
1: The the UAD um, SSL plugins? Yeah. Is that, is that what you're talking? Yeah. Is that what you mean? I'd,
0: yeah. Uh, and overall, all the UAD plugins are like very oh. similar to, to the real deal.
1: Yeah. Sure. All right. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So heading into the future, obviously, I mean, everybody knows that um, the in, the music industry in general has changed and obviously with the internet and the accessibility of technology, everybody downloading, all that sort of stuff, sales diminishing, all that sort of thing, that it's had an... A, like the, the follow-on is that, you know, there's been an impact onto recording studios and all that sort of thing. I expect that... Um, Look, heading into the future though um where do you think it's going to go next in terms of studios and all that <laughs>
0: <I> <laughs> it's not a, it's not an
1: easy question um
0: <laughs> no 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 but but i told you like we spoke before i'm like opening up my own store now and selling plugins and stuff and uh
1: so the um, plugins that you've developed or been part of the development of, or
0: yeah, we start off with three uh, drum kits uh, with drum samples for uh, trigger instrument and contact player. Yeah, we are actually opening up today three o'clock.
1: Awesome. Okay, and yeah. if people if people want to so, go and check those out, what's the what's the best way for people to go and find those?
0: Uh, it's fredmandigital. I think it is. Uh, it's so brand new for me. It's like yep, uh, sure. Yep, fredmandigital.
1: Awesome. And so, yeah. if um, if people want a really amazing sounding drum kit um, for some samples, that's to, the place to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think you said it's I, have, um, I yeah. think I think you said it's the In Flames drummer has d- come and recorded the samples at your studio.
0: He will come to uh, the studio and do it. Yeah. The the problem is like, you know, we are all parents and he's sick his kids are sick. That's why he's not having not showed up yet. Oh, but true. we have done an Adrian Ellison drum kit. And in the end of next month, Adrian will come here and we will do a full symbol set with him. Yeah. Because he had a pretty unique symbols. So we're gonna do an Orion Ellison's symbol kit and we're gonna do a couple of more symbol kits. There is a lot of good symbols out there, I know that, but you know he kind of insisted that he won't have his symbols also. As I I already had recorded his drums, just like the skins. Because the plan from the beginning was like I should release a sample library called "Bring Your Own Symbols," yep. because I was, yeah, because it was, it was, to be honest, easier to record the skins and the, and do all the symbol hits. So, so that kit we are the three kits we are releasing now is without symbols, right? And yep. it's yeah, a little bit more pointing to people like me, like you need a good snare drum, where to find it, and you're sitting and combining snare drums and shit and. Uh, and I, like we, I always try to do, like when we have recordings here, I always try to do like a multi-sample recording of each drum. Yeah. So I can make, so I make my own samples. Yeah, That's absolutely. the only way to be unique is to make your own shit.
2: Yeah.
0: So I, what I have done is like for these drum kits, I have like put on like my whole mix on the drum kits. That I have used on an album, for example.
2: Yeah, so and a... tweaked
0: it from there and tried to get like, this is a, a this is drum kit together with all the guitars and everything sounds good. So yeah, go. so there's so there's good nothing
1: song. left. There's nothing else anyone's got to do to it. It's just it's you just... can
0: still tweak it. You can still tweak it. The guys who are doing like the the demos for it, he's he's straight off. He went on and started tweaking a little bit on it. Yeah. but not much but he did some touch up that's he find and there is always there's always something you can do
1: <laughs> yeah oh yeah and like you said yeah. before well like, i
0: try to make it as ready as possible
1: sure and like you said before obviously once you once you add in all the rest of the a a mix in like all your other instruments it quite often things have a, get a tweak here and there anyway like back on the kit or you know when you're mixing so yeah yeah so all right let's um finish off with a few other questions um so un, which aren't necessarily straight up about engineering but um to be productive how important is um, diet and sleep to be a good engineer or engineer producer
0: it is important for sure, and uh, yeah, but it's for everything. It's like I see my kids; they doing motocross, and uh, if they fuck up the sleep one day, it's not going to go good the next day. Yeah. So, of course, it's important with sleep and food and everything.
1: Do you ever do you ever remember doing a session where you were thrashed with no sleep and it was not working for you, or?
0: uh a long time ago <laughs> yes i have done it <laughs> but it's just like it's all this the same it's like it's no point of you know running into the wall all the time it's like if you have worked eight hours and you're tired just quit it's no point you're not going to do it better and um, if you stay four hours more and try to make it better
1: so so uh, do, you, and do you...
0: this is like so confirmed by i've read so many articles about the people who produced Abba, for example, Yep. and um, they say the same thing. It's no point of doing two hundred takes. It's always the three first that is the best one.
1: You know what? I was actually just listening to a a tutorial with Cameron Webb, who recorded all the last eight Motorhead albums, and he said, and he said exactly the same thing. He said basically, you want to get the band when they're revved up, and it's it'll be the first three, one of the first three takes, even if you do eight takes it'll be one of you basically need to try to get it in the first three because after that it's go it's sort of downhill you know yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah Yeah. but it's it's like every experienced engineer and producers saying the same thing
2: yeah yeah sure
0: so that's that's why i'm like on my way and telling bands what what do we need to do you need to know the song you need to have well shaped instruments when you're coming here and if you're going to sleep here, bring your own pillow and sheet so you can sleep well. And it's like, because it's like when bands don't know their songs, it can be tricky.
1: Yeah. Cause then the first three takes they are going to suck.
0: Yeah. yeah. But that's also, it's like, uh, that's what I'll, why I really like to record debut albums because yep. that's the first album that band have done together and they have worked on it so well. They have been in the rehearsal room all the time and doing all the songs. They know everything inside out. When you come to album number three, they have never been in the rehearsal room, and it's going to take three times longer to do it. There is something with the debut albums. I think that is. Uh, this is like with my, my my own band. Our debut album is what I think the best album.
1: Yeah. Do you think it's important to have something completely unrelated to music in your life to sort of um, balance it out?
0: Uh, that's a tricky question (laughs)
1: because it says on wikipedia that you have five children is that is that true yep yeah right and
0: uh i have two grandchildren also is
1: that right oh there you go and um are you seeing the possibility of any of them taking over the family business
0: if they want that's my my opinion when it's coming to people that they have to make their own decision. That's why my children is not baptized because I told them if you want to commit your belief in God, you do it when you're or 15, when you go to church and confirm your belief. And then you can be baptized. I cannot stand in front of an audience, audience in the church and promise. That's what we do in Sweden. You promise in front of the crowd and to God that you should raise the children in a Christian belief, and yeah. I'm I'm not yeah I'm, I'm don't believe in God in that way. So I mm. said no, I can't do this. But if they want to confirm themselves as Christian, go ahead, and do it. If they want to play football or play guitar, go ahead, do it. Doesn't matter. They have to make their own choices.
1: Yeah, and I I guess um I th- I think it's super important like I'm not a, I'm not actually a parent myself but I think it's yeah. I think it's got to be so super important to um, encourage them whatever whatever it is they want to do if it's even if it's something like I'm not particularly interested in sport but I think if I had a kid that was obsessed with sport I wouldn't try to groom them to be a audio engineer you know so yeah, I guess it's pointless so yeah,
0: it's too- yeah but like my, all, all, my, all my three boys are like I know they're playing pianos and drums and stuff like that, but and guitars, uh, sings. Yeah, yeah, my oldest daughter have a very good voice, but she don't she don't want to do it. But okay, do whatever you want to do. So that's why I'm into motocross right now. Two of my kids are practicing, and they are really really into this sport. Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, that's uh, that's
0: so, awesome. So so I did I did a European tour last summer with my middle son he was doing a european championship in motocross <laughs> yeah,
1: no joke that's that's amazing all yeah, right
0: yeah
1: so that's, that's so like it's,
0: got, it's a pretty sorry
1: di- I was to say that's a <laughs> that's a pretty different universe to uh, producing heavy metal
0: no it's so fucking similar really yeah you yeah. should see like the, this european championship going same time as the world championship of motocross so it's a big deal it's like you have an audience of 40,000 people when they give out the prizes there is like a special backdrop uh, you can go into uh, like you can buy tickets to go into the uh, uh, paddock where all the bikes are and it's, it's like it's like the same as a fucking rock concert <laughs> it's the same yeah it's like people buying to meet and greet for example with bands there is uh, different fucking backdrops and uh, there is the audience everything is the same It's the, so it's so similar and I have like 40 trucks with all the gears that are running around all worldwide. It's uh, yeah, it's super similar to like be on a rock tour. yeah so it's just like
1: oh that's uh, and, and so um, yeah oh that's that's pretty interesting
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And so that is
0: different to producing music. Yes, it is.
1: Yeah, so I'm um, maybe have to wait and see if if there's a a, uh, a young Nordstrom that's going to follow in the studio footsteps.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, my youngest son in that case.
1: Yeah, right, Okay. Yeah. Who knows? But they
0: what... have to be good on music first.
1: Yeah. Right. So speaking of which. Um, what's happening with Dream Evil?
0: Uh, yeah, what's happening? We're releasing a new album now.
1: Yeah, right. Because the last one was 2010, was it?
0: Yeah, something like that. We yeah. are the laziest band on the moon.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure you're not lazy. I'm sure you're busy, just not at that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we have. I I don't know. I, I think we have like. Let's see now. I think we in total have 15 kids in the band or something like that. 16 kids we have. So it's taking a lot of time, but y- it's,
2: it's yeah. like, yeah. Wow. Good, okay.
0: Uh, that's actually how, how we run the band nowadays days is, it's fucking good because we don't do many shows and so on, but every time we meet each other is, it's fun. And yep. that's was the whole idea with having a band. Of and, course. Yeah. Yeah. But, can you imagine the day when you have your band and that will become your income, and you have to think about business all the time? Then I know many face bands. There it's they have a similar scenario that you have in uh, Meta- Metallica's. Uh, what's the name of the DVD they did?
2: Um, some, some kind, kind of monster. monster, yeah.
0: Yeah, there is many bands that have similar situations like that. It's a fucking kindergarten. Everything is so infected. (laughs) Nobody speaks with each other or anything. Yeah, even like when I saw my daughter was a big fan of One Direction. Yeah, I saw them when they left the venue. Every one of them left in their own cars. Yeah. But on paper, they are good friends. They are having the same tour bus. No, they don't. They hate each other.
1: Yeah. No, it's not what it's yes. not it's not what music was ever supposed to be about, you know. No, I know, I know. But
0: um, that's what's happened with many bands. Uh-huh. Oh, that's true.
1: All right. Well that pretty much wraps up all my questioning and interrogation for you this afternoon or evening in my part of the world. So um, yes. so if people if people wanna be in touch with you, um, is What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you, whether it's for a production or mixing or mastering? What's the best way for them to get in touch?
0: Email, Facebook, whatever.
1: Yeah. And uh, and if people want to check out your new drum uh, sample product, it's uh, what's the email address again? Uh, sorry, the uh, um, website, web address?
0: It's fredmandigital.com.
1: Sure. Yeah. All right.
0: There should be some samples on there so they can listen to how it sounds.
1: Yeah, wicked. All right, well, thanks for your time and thanks very much for being on the podcast.
0: No problem, sir. My pleasure.